Luke 9.23 Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come to after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Hello, everyone. I'm Neil Parks. Last week, we certainly covered some much-needed understanding about reverent fear, worship, and the preeminent posture of his bride, the church. Unfortunately, the five virgins, the five foolish virgins in Matthew 25, did not have these attributes that are musts, if you will, for the followers of Christ. So let's take a moment and look at the lamps that Jesus is talking about back in the day of this parable with the ten virgins. These lamps weren't uh, what we might think of lamps looking like 2,000 years later in the here and now. Our concept of a lamp is maybe a fixture that we can pick up easily and walk around holding to help us find our way, or maybe one setting on a table. No, no. These lamps that Jesus is talking about were a lot different back then. We nowadays would call their lamps torches. And back in the days of Jesus, they were long poles with rags tied up on the ends, and the rags were saturated with oil, so that when lit, they would burn and create light that would easily be seen for a good amount of distance. Just the bulkiness of such a tool was not something that you would easily forget to pick up when needed. With that said, there had to be some effort involved to make sure that all the requirements were met in and in compliance to be used. So stop and think about this scenario. You go to all the effort to get your torch set up, but don't put the oil on it? Hmm, why? You're packing this brood around for what? Just to look like the ones that are wise? What's missing here? It kind of reminds me of the here and now. Some of the churchgoers are liking what they hear and what they see and the atmosphere within the groups that they gather with is fun and cozy. But when it comes to understanding the cost of following Christ, well, <laughs> that's a little bit over the top, wouldn't you say? And guess what? There's even another piece of equipment involved. Look what Luke 14, uh, starting in verse 27, says. 
And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now let me stop for just a moment there. The cross is an instrument of death. It'd be like carrying your electric chair around with you. Verse 28 said, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. So likewise, in verse 33, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. So, what Scripture's saying is there's a cost to follow Christ. And what it is, it costs you self. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus called the crowd together with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, or in other words, set aside selfishness and self-interest and take up his cross, and that's expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come, and follow me. In other words, believing in me and conforming to my example in living, and if in in if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. Folks, my whole understanding about life before I surrendered to God was about ease, comfort, and pleasure, if you will. The American dream. <laughs> I had no clue what my purpose was on planet Earth. I was the fool of fools. Christians seemed to be nice people. If that going to church turned them on, great. But four times a month in church service just didn't seem to make sense to me that they were awarded heaven over me. So, after I surrendered to God, I read the scriptures only to find out there is even a bigger cost, and that's to be so foolish as to not follow Christ. Listen to the consequences for not following Christ. Let's turn over to Matthew uh, 7. It will start in uh, verse 21. I'm going to read out of the message. Jesus says, Knowing the correct password, saying Master, Master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my Father wills. I can see it now, Jesus is saying, at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preach the message. 
We bash the demons. Our super spiritual progress projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourself important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. Wow. In other words, what he's saying is, in another translation, I never knew you. And so that's telling me, guilty as charged, take him away to hell. Look what verse 24 says in uh, chapter 7. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed on the rock. You see, folks, the door was opened to the wise virgins and closed to the foolish. Why? Because of repentance. Because of change. You might say it's a heart transplant that they didn't get. Jesus said, repent or perish. Now, the door was open to the wise virgins, and wisdom comes from God. Look what James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8 says. If anyone lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstances, he is to ask of our benevolent God who gives to everyone generously without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him. Verse 6 says, But he must ask for wisdom and faith without doubting God's willingness to help. For the one who doubts is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blowing about and tossed by the wind. For such a person ought not to think or expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable and restless in all his days... Jesus makes the point pretty clear, I would say. Stay connected to him and have no reason to fear. Jesus doesn't mean that the instant someone has faith, fear simply vanishes or only good things happen in that person's life. But look what John, uh, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 3, and we're starting Uh, Verse 16, 316, a very popular verse. Verse 16 says, For God expressed his love for the world in this way. He gave his only Son that whoever believes in him will not face everlasting destruction, but will have everlasting life. Verse 17, here's the point. 
God didn't send his son into the world to judge it. Instead, he is here to rescue the world, headed towards certain destruction. Verse 18, No one who believes in him has to fear condemnation. Yet condemnation is already, this is big, is already the reality for everyone who refuses to believe because they reject the name of Jesus Christ. So here's the question today. Do you understand the cost of foolishness? And I want to close with a quote from Matthew Henry. Matt says, Those that are ashamed of Christ in this world were his, he is despised. He will be ashamed of in that world where he is eternally adored. They shall not share with him in his glory then. That were not willing to share with him in his disgrace now. Well, that'll do it for this time. And I hope to see you next week. And by the way, if any of you have friends or relatives that come to mind uh, as you listen, please invite them. Comments are always welcome. And the address is the email fillthelamp at yahoo.com. All one word, fillthelamp at yahoo.com. Let me pray for you. Father God, I just lift up every listener that is listening today. I pray, Father God, that your word would just penetrate their their minds, their hearts. Lord, you love us. You are love. And you came to rescue us from the destruction that was in front of us, Father God. Without you, we have nothing. But with you, we have everything. Father God, we just I just pray for everybody in today's message that has listened to the cost of the foolish. Lord, I praise you and lift you up, and I pray that everybody would hear what you have to say and their hearts would be changed. And I pray this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm Neil Parks.